0: Not That German is a fun, insightful movie discussion podcast that may not be suitable for all listeners. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Meine Damen und Herren and everyone else. Welcome to a not that German, not that minisode with me, Al J. Nound. Adam Bento was out for the day, and when the German native speaker can't be here, but the neurodivergent American can be, what better way to use the resources available to us than to skip all the talk of old Hollywood and move straight on to discussing German words, phrases, and was That last one's probably not right. Our regular programming will return soon. But for now, let's get German, y'all. Morat It doesn't sound German, and that's because it's French. I had a different plan for today's minisode. Another lovely German phrase to get you in the mood for sausage and leftist revolution. But in light of recent events, I decided to veer into the EU a bit, live a little Schengen, enjoy the open borders of happy internationalism. If you're hearing this on the day it's released, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're hearing this a month later or a year later or who knows when later, you could take recent events to be something entirely different. Sadly, it almost certainly still holds up. Which brings me back to my horrific butchering of the French language with mort au tyran, Death to tyrants. Eagle-eared listeners may recall this as something Adam and I brought up in a previous episode. Not sure which one? Go back and listen to them all. We could really use the downloads. But while I mentioned it earlier, I want to really dive into this phrase. What it meant, what it means, and what it doesn't mean. This French phrase, which I will try to refer to in English out of the goodness of my heart and the badness of my French, relates to a French general of the Napoleonic Wars. This was the era after the French Revolution of 1789, a moment that truly shocked the world, because the people not only rose up and defied a king, but they decapitated him. You know that song from Hamilton, A World Turned Upside Down? That's about when America, essentially, gained its independence from Britain and truly did shake the world. But the French Revolution blows that out of the water. Our figure in question, a man named Jean-Baptiste Bernadotte, was a French revolutionary and a Republican. Republican here meaning pro-republic and not a fan of monarchies. Not the modern understanding of literal Nazis. and became a trusted general of the new leader of France, Napoleon Bonaparte. Now, I have a lot to say about Napoleon, but I won't discuss it all now because it's not explicitly relevant to this minisode. I'll save those details for Broadway or Patreon, whichever comes first. But for a little while in France, there was hope for a republic, hope for rule by the people to a certain degree. And this general, Bernadotte, Was so in favor of this notion and such a fan of fucking up monarchies and tyrannies that he supposedly got a tattoo which read either death to kings or death to monarchs or death to tyrants emblazoned on his chest alongside a Phrygian cap. A Phrygian cap, for those who don't know, is a hat from the region of Phrygia. Happy to clear that up. It also became a symbol of liberty and freedom in the age of revolution, but I assumed you knew that already. Anyway, Bernadotte, this defender of the republic, this friend of liberty and enemy of tyranny who fought and killed and nearly died to bring freedom to others, he became the king of Sweden. That's not a joke. I yada yadda a lot, but for real, this rabid republican who got a tattoo that may have said death to kings, he became a king. He started a dynasty, and his family has retained the Swedish monarchy up till the present day. Quite ironic for a man who hated kings. Now, Houston, we have a problem. We have a problem because we don't know how true this is. Bernadotte was a real person, he was a real republican, and a real general, and he really did become the king of Sweden. But we're not exactly sure what his tattoo said, because there's no historical record he actually had it. It's popular folklore today, but the only evidence it exists is from an 1833 play. A piece of fiction. It's a great story, but it doesn't hold up under even the slightest scrutiny. But it is a great story, and it is what we're talking about today. There's another story about famed anthropologist Margaret Mead. She was once asked, what was the first sign of civilization among humans? Was it stone tools? Walled cities? Wide-eyed votive offerings to the gods? According to Mead, the answer was no. According to Mead, the first sign of civilization was a healed femur. A skeleton, many, many thousands of years old, whose leg was once broken but, with enough care and time, had healed. She called this compassion. And she said this was the first sign of civilization. She called it compassion because, in the cutthroat world of hunter-gatherers, a person with a broken leg is better off dead. They can't find food, they only eat food. More than that, They require the help of others during their long convalescence. On papyrus, this person with a broken leg is a total drain on the community, an absolute loss, unable to add to their community stores, and only taking up much-needed resources. A healed leg means compassion. It means a community, or at least another individual, was aware of this, was aware of the drain on resources, and still valued this human life more. Than material goods, still found a way to manage while helping this injured individual manage to survive. A healed leg bone means that someone knew that a human life was worth the time, the energy, the resources, the loss of profits required for them to get better. Someone saw someone in need of help. They needed help or they would die. And they received that help because no material goods were worth a human life. What does compassion have to do with death to tyrants? Am I saying you're a bad person because you don't give every single penny you've got to people who need it more? Absolutely not. Instead of asking, what does compassion have to do with death to tyrants, ask, what do tyrants have to do with compassion? That answer is absolutely nothing. We have bosses, we have rules, we have systems in place within whatever societies we're a part of, ostensibly for our own good. Why do we have rules about stop signs and punish those who blow past them? To protect ourselves and the lives of others. There's an element of compassion there, and it doesn't bring society to a halt in order to save a life that would otherwise have been taken in an anarchic traffic accident. Why do we have laws about how doors should open in bars and clubs? So that, in case of emergency, patrons can escape quickly and aren't crushed to death trying to push a door that's pull only. Why do we have absurdly specific labor laws about how sleeping quarters can't be near toxic waste or how workers can only do so much physical labor without a break or a legally mandated shift change? because those laws were written in blood. Toxic leaks suffocated workers in their sleep. Laborers died of heatstroke because they were told they'd be fired if they took a break. Some people valued profits over human life. Some people saw their workers as numbers, as replaceable figures, as mere costs which had to be offset with cheaper safety measures in order to balance the books. You're a fifteen-year-old American kid who's annoyed that you can't get more spending money because of these dang regulations? Those regulations are there because of eight-year-olds who lost their fingers, hands, and lives in spinning looms and mines, hired because they were cheaper labor and their family needed the money to survive. The water crisis in Flint, Michigan, which for years exposed thousands of children to dangerous levels of lead. Cost untold deaths and untold long term ill effects could have been entirely avoided with a known solution that cost a hundred dollars a day. The class action lawsuit alone, by the way, resulted in over six hundred million dollars in damages. So, even if you coldly look at just the numbers, a little compassion would have been more profitable in the end. Tyranny and compassion are incompatible. A parent who tells you to wear a helmet when you ride your bike is giving you a rule out of compassion. A parent who tells you you need to get a haircut because you look like a quote, hippie woman gay who'll never get a girlfriend or a job, in that order, probably doesn't actually care too much about your feelings or the feelings of others and just likes making people feel bad. There's no compassion there. That's just bullying. A boss who needs that report by Friday isn't necessarily tyrannical. A boss who skirts labor laws, works you to the bone, pays union busters instead of giving you a raise, and uses clever means to get you to fire yourself is showing no compassion. They're just being tyrannical. You don't need to be a monarch to be a tyrant. You just need to not value human life. When wondering if someone is a tyrant, simply ask, Does this person see people as people? Or does this person see people as pawns, costs, casualties of war, a worthy sacrifice for personal gain? Because a big part of compassion isn't just you. Think about people who treat waitstaff like shit. I'm not a waiter. I will never be demeaned in that way if I never work in a restaurant. But if the person across from you is willing to berate a minimum wage employee, or anyone for that matter, because their eggs aren't as runny as they'd ordered, how long will it be until you're in the spotlight? Your leg didn't break this time, but what happens when your leg does break? You may be shown compassion today, by a parent or a boss or a date or a politician, but once that compassion is no longer possible, you're the one being kicked to the curb. Some tyrants invade sovereign states to fix sagging poll numbers. Some tyrants don't pass rent freezes and kick you and your family out on the street. But all tyrants take advantage of their position to hurt people they don't view as people. Tyranny is wondering when the compassion will run dry. Compassion is knowing you are valuable not because of your profitability but by the very nature of your existence. You're worth something because you're you. We don't need any other qualifiers. I don't need to know anything else about you. You're worth the time and energy and resources to heal your leg. Period. End of story. Tyranny is a great word. It's a horrible thing. A perfect villain, which makes it ideal whenever we want to complain about something. A mask mandate is tyranny. It's infringing upon your freedoms, your rights. Ugh. Never trust an online anecdote, but here in Germany, I've been told that a mask mandate is illegal because of the Nuremberg Codex. You know, Nuremberg, where they tried the Nazis, where, among other things, they punished people for involuntary medical experiments against prisoners. That was tyranny. That was no compassion. Are you really equating medical masks with mangala? Are protective measures during a dangerous pandemic really infringing upon your rights? What are your rights? We have listeners from all over the world. I, I don't know your nationalities or the laws for all those nations. But you've got three inherent, inalienable rights life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm not picking those because they were in the Declaration of Independence in Raw, Raw, USA. That's not my style. I'm picking those because they're good universal rights. By our very existence, we have a right to exist. We have a right to live how we want to live. We have a right to try our best at being happy. Does a mask mandate during a global pandemic threaten your right to exist? Quite the opposite. Does it affect how you get to live? Yes. But it affects everyone you have not been singled out to be profited from. And furthermore, you choosing not to wear the mask means you're threatening others' inalienable right to life. Does the mask mandate threaten your pursuit of happiness? Again, masks aren't the problem. Masks aren't closing down the cinema or requiring testing in crowded areas or making rim jobs less safe. They're part of a protection against a virus, an illness, an indiscriminate scourge against humanity. And they're trying to preserve and reinstate your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A rule to retain your rights is not tyranny. A rule to curtail your rights is... I realize that I'd just brought up German mask mandates in the Nuremberg Trials. But seeing as how this is an international multi-culti minisode, I'd like to travel across the pond, back to the good old U.S. of A. It also involves bringing up a bit of an elephant in the room. Because our phrase for this week is mort au tyrant. And that's French. And there's the English translation I've been using, Death to Tyrants but there's another translation that needs to be mentioned. The Latin one. Sic semper tyrannis. Thus, always to tyrants. Thus here, within the context of the phrase, being understood to be death, assassination, murder of some variety. I mention this because while the average American may not know aux tiron They probably know sic semper tyrannis as the phrase that John Wilkes Booth infamously shouted after assassinating Abraham Lincoln, arguably the only U.S. president who's actually worth the praise he's garnered. How was Abraham Lincoln a tyrant? As head of state, head of government, and commander-in-chief, he ended slavery in the U.S. Obviously, this wasn't a one-man job, it didn't fix racism, and lots of nefarious sorts have found ways to re-disenfranchise the ancestors of the enslaved. But for John Wilkes Booth, Lincoln was a tyrant because Lincoln infringed on the good, God-fearing Americans' ability to own another human being. Did Lincoln take away the rights of slave owners? Did he reduce their freedoms? Yeah, sure. He took away a legal right that they had had before. Did this right, this freedom, infringe upon the rights and freedoms of others? Oh, yeah. Did removing this right provide the opportunity, however poorly executed in the aftermath, for the formerly enslaved to gain the inalienable rights afforded to them by their mere existence? You betcha. We all have certain freedoms that, were they taken away or altered by governmental decree, we may decry as infringements upon our liberty. But if your freedom is hurting someone, then it's not real freedom. Is it freedom to allow the unvaccinated into schools, leading to the reintroduction of deadly diseases that have killed far too many innocent people, including children, up until their eradication? Is it freedom to deregulate financial institutions who can tank the economy, make millions homeless, pollute the world, lead to the death and maiming of innocents, all to provide a very large profit to a very small group of already wealthy individuals? Is it freedom to let Nazis roam the streets and threaten violence against library visitors or voters? Is it freedom to have children removed from their homes because their parents respect their trans identity? Or to risk civil suits should a teacher acknowledge the mere existence of homosexuality? Where's the compassion here? I find none. I find only tyranny. I find only tyrants. Because right now, you may still be tolerated. You may still receive compassion. But one day your leg will break or it will be broken by someone, and there will be no one left who believes you're worth it to help heal. I don't know how well this minisode will age. In my mind, this is radically progressive, and brings up important examples to point out all the different types of tyrannies we face today. But one day, maybe these progressive ideals will seem backwater reactionary swill, and I'll have to take flack for that. My answer to that is not that today is a different time from 50 years in the future, but that I thought and spoke with compassion. I hope one day my ramblings are obvious truths that don't even need to be mentioned. What a fucking weirdo for even having to say them. But whatever the case may be in the future, whatever the case may have been yesterday, whatever the case may be today, think of compassion. Are green initiatives really infringing upon your freedom to drive a Hummer, or are they attempts to tackle the climate change that threatens the lives, liberties, and pursuits of happiness of individuals all over the globe? You're allowed to drink coffee that isn't eco-friendly and fair trade if that's all you can afford, so long as you use that alertness for compassion rather than tyranny. Death to tyrants isn't a call to arms, let me make that clear. It's not a call for action, a call for violence. It's a call to change how you think and react to the world. I am not saying do XYZ to ABC. I'm not saying live a perfect life, because you can't. I'm just saying, we all have our rights, we all have our freedoms, and when those freedoms appear to be infringed upon, decide if your freedoms infringe on the freedoms of others. Decide if this is tyranny or compassion. If it's compassion, then be on the right side of humanity and don't be a fucker. If it's tyranny, then fight back, push back, try to unionize, campaign for candidates with compassion. Do what you have to do to ensure you and others can enjoy your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Compassion is life. Tyranny is death. Death to tyrants. Morantirant. Well, I've talked a lot, so it's time to show some compassion and end this minisode now. Special thanks to Pofan for helping us compose our theme music. We'll get back to our regular episode soon. In the meantime, thanks for being German, or French, or American or Ukrainian with me. Check us out on Twitter at Not That German or our Not That German Not That Fan Club Facebook page for updates to try and answer our hints or maybe just to see cool stuff. Don't forget to rate, subscribe and spread the word, and we'll see you next time. Tschüss. Show.